Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. The Torah and the later books of the Hebrew Bible often speak of the Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage festivals. Two of them, Pesach, Passover, and Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, are seven-day festivals often observed outside the land of Israel for eight days, replete with uh, symbolic customs, rituals, such as the matzah and the moror of Passover, the matzah, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs moror, and the seder, which we know of at Passover. And Sukkot, the festival of booths, often is noted for a sukkah, a uh, portable booth, a lulav, a... uh, mixture of three different um, leafy plants held together by palm, and an etrog, a lemon-like fruit. The third of the three festivals is Shavuot, and it is a one-day festival, two days in the diaspora, that does not have any dominant customs, or rituals enunciated in the Torah about it. So let me share with you what we know about uh, Shavuot this morning and how Judaism has taken from the book of Leviticus, which I'm about to share with you, and developed a very important holiday. So this is Leviticus chapter 23. And God spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say to them, The appointed seasons of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my appointed seasons. And then Leviticus speaks to us about Shabbat, And it goes on to talk to us about the first month on the 14th day of the month at dusk is the Lord's Passover. And the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we know as Passover, and tells us a bit about it. Um, And we continue reading until we get to uh, verse 9. Verse 9 is something a little bit different. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When ye are come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meal offering thereof shall be two-tenths part of an ephah of fine flour mingled with oil. An offering made with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. 
and the drink offering thereof shall be of wine in the fourth part of a hin. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor fresh ears until that same self day. Until you have brought the offering of your God, it is a statute throughout all your dwellings. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after a day of rest, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the waving, seven weeks shall there be complete, which is where we get the name of this holiday, Shavuot. Even until the morrow after the seventh day shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall be present, a new meal offering unto the Lord. And then it goes on to talk about how many, what the offerings are, uh, and the waving, and it says, ye shall make a proclamation on the same self-day, there shall be a holy convocation unto you, you shall do no manner of servile work, it is a statue forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. So as you can see, the text describes the holiday of Shavuot, What should become immediately clear to all of us, it is that it is linked to an omer, a grain offering in the land of Israel. After counting seven weeks, not exactly clear from whence we count it, where we begin the counting, an offering of new grain is brought. This offering consists of two loaves of bread from the choice flour, along with several animals. The day is a holiday, a sacred occasion, and that the fact that the holiday comes at the termination of a period, seven weeks, accounts for the name Shavuot weeks. This counting, as you've heard, according to the Torah text, is purely pragmatic. It serves to establish the day upon which the holiday will have observed, namely the 50th day. Verses 15 and 16 serve as the basis for the biblical mitzvah of counting these days, referred even today as counting the Omer. Traditionally, each day during this period, um, a blessing is said and the day is counted. Of course, since the establishment of the standardized Jewish calendar, we know when Shavuot is meant to fall, the practice of counting has become less important. But you uh, have heard Leviticus, and the question would be, what is the significance of Shavuot? From Leviticus, it appears that it is primarily, if not exclusively, an agricultural holiday. The seven-week period begins with an offering of the first sheaf of your harvest and concludes with an offering of the new grain. These two occasions mark the harvest season in the land of Israel. The earliest harvest is the barley harvest, which begins in early spring around the Pesach holiday, the Passover holiday. The season ends with the ripening of the wheat from which choice flour is obtained. The period of seven weeks from the day after the Sabbath, whether it refers to the day after the Sabbath, meaning a Sunday, or the day after Passover, which is a type of Sabbath, is probably a counting of the days in the harvest season from the barley harvest until the wheat harvest. 
but we are not sure what the Torah meant by it. The counting signifies that until seven weeks have passed, it is not known whether the harvest will be successful and plentiful enough. By counting, we reflect our hope that the land will yield bountiful harvest. Thus, according to the book of Leviticus, Shavuot holiday represents the deep connection between the Jewish people and their national homeland, Eretz Yisrael, and God. In a sense, a tripartite, what is sometimes called trinity, relationship. God gave the Jews the land which was bountiful, often referred to as a land flowing with milk and honey, and through its cultivation could provide generously and abundantly for the Jews dwelling there. In fact, in biblical times, the Jews earned their living primarily through the land, so a good harvest was critical. A successful harvest was the key to economic success and well-being, whereas a poor harvest spelled hardship and often economic ruin, not only for the individual Jew, Israelite, but for the whole people. By requiring the Israelites to bring offerings from the first grains at the beginning of the harvest and its conclusion, the Torah seems to be forcing the people to acknowledge God's hand in nature and instilling in them a sense of appreciation to God for the blessing of a successful harvest. But that doesn't explain to us the meaning of Shavuot. The Torah give us um, a couple of other understandings of uh, Shavuot, and I will share them with you uh, now. Uh, but I'm not sure if we're honest with ourselves how much they add to it. So this is from Exodus 23, verse 16, and it says to us, and the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou sowest in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is a new term, at the end of the year, which thou gatherest in thy labors out of thy field. Well, did that add something new to our conversation? An interesting question. Let's try another verse from Exodus. So here we have chapter 34, uh, and we read in verse 22 of chapter 34, another uh, explanation, and thou shalt observe the Feast of Weeks, here it's called directly the Feast of Weeks, even of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the turn of the year. So we have uh, Exodus tells us of the Feast of the Harvest. Um, it's called Chag HaKatsir, the Feast of the Harvest. And that continues our theme that this is an agricultural festival. But as you can imagine, in the main, between the second century of the Common Era and the reestablishment of the state of Israel in 1947 and 48, the majority of Jews were not living off the land. 
They were forbidden in Christian Europe to own land, and while they were allowed to be tenant farmers in Muslim lands, they did not in most countries make their living um, primarily through agriculture. So, how do we understand Shavuot today? How has it changed? How is it that this holiday, seven weeks after Passover, remains an important part of the Jewish festival cycle? So I want to read to you from an 11th century, 12th century Midrash that might help us understand. The Midrashic writer turns to Leviticus 23:21, which we have already read, you shall declare a holy assembly on this day. This refers, he says, to the 50th day, the day the people of Israel stood before Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. Our ancestors received the Torah 50 days after leaving the land of Egypt, and therefore the festival of first fruits falls 50 days after the first day of Passover. The people of Israel are thus referred to as the first fruits, quoting from Hosea, which says, I found Israel, referring to God, saying, I found Israel as pleasing as grapes in the wilderness. Your fathers seem to me like the first fig to ripen on a fig tree. Similarly, the verse states, as an apple tree among trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the others, referring to Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Just as the apple tree produces its fruit 50 days after blossoming, so the people of Israel received the Torah 50 days after leaving the land of Egypt. This text, perhaps um, midrashic in origin and not biblical, still offers an approach to Shavuot that is radically different from the Torah. Although the simple reading of the biblical text, which is accessible to all, indicates that the holiday is agricultural, this midrashic view argues that Shavuot marks the day on which the Jews receive the Torah, The 50 days of the holiday represents the time elapsed from the day after Exodus, the Exodus, to the time of the giving of the Torah. In the Torah, the Bikurim, first fruits, are mentioned in the context of Shavuot, and this Midrash interprets the phrase metaphorically. The first fruit is the Jewish people, just as an apple produces fruit 50 days after it blossoms. And for the purposes of the Midrashic writer, it doesn't have to be scientifically true. So the people received the Torah 50 days after they blossomed. They became full fruit in the Exodus. You see then, in this literary approach to interpretation, Shavuot was transformed from a purely agricultural holiday to one that also commemorates the giving of the Torah. Sounds easy. Just make a couple of interpretations from a uh, fanciful methodology of homiletics. But the question for us is, why did the rabbis find it necessary to change the meaning of the festival? The most likely answer is that in the absence of sacrificial worship after the destruction of the temple in 70 of the Common Era, 
And because the Jews were not able to cultivate the land after being exiled from it and continually being exiled from lands they live in, the rabbis feared the holiday would disappear completely in order to protect it from total extinction. They invested it with a new meaning that would give relevance for Jews in all generations wherever they lived. The giving of the Torah was to be considered the essence of the Shavuot holiday. The new interpretation of Shavuot is consistent with the efforts of the rabbis to emphasize the centrality of Torah in all aspects of life. Neither the loss of the temple nor exile from the land should spell the end of Judaism. Let me repeat that again, because it's one of the great miracles in the world. The loss of the temple, nor the exile from the land, should have spelled the end of Judaism. That was the natural progression for all ancient peoples whose religious life was built upon a sacrificial cult, a locus of sacrifice, and a national homeland. But the rabbis transformed the great losses into the study and fulfillment of Torah as a way of helping Jews achieve spiritual connectedness to God. The rabbis never despaired of the eventual return to the land of the Israel and the restoration of the temple and sacrificial worship. They believed that in spite of this momentary loss, that Judaism would remain a vibrant and dynamic religion independent of the temple and the land. Thus, the new interpretation by the rabbis of Shavuot served as an emphatic statement of the rabbis of the centrality and viability of the Torah in the absence of the land and the agricultural laws associated with it. One Shavuot was understood as the celebration of the revelation on Mount Sinai. Jews were faced with a dual problem. Were they celebrating the giving of the Torah, which suggests our appreciation to God for providing us with moral and religious code? Or that were they celebrating the acceptance of the Torah, which is more a statement about the character of the Jewish people than it is about God? Think about that. On Shavuot, would we... Um, Thank God for the opportunity to accept the Torah, or would we celebrate that God gave the Torah? Giving or accepting, giving or receiving. You know, the emphasis by the rabbis on receiving the Torah 50 days after the Exodus was no small matter. After all, the Jews had just spent several generations following laws imposed upon them by their Egyptian masters, with no freedom to choose to live as they wished. 
when God finally granted them freedom from slavery, and I know some of you will say that Pharaoh granted them the freedom, but in fact, according to the biblical text, God is uh, preeminent in that story. When God finally persuaded Pharaoh to grant them their freedom, it would seem a most inopportune time to offer them a whole new series of laws, which, as many of you know, tradition says is 613 in number. It is to be understood, according to Jewish tradition, to the credit of the Jewish people, that they recognize the fundamental difference between laws imposed by human masters, which tended to be degrading and humiliating in their experience, and laws imposed by God, which were uplifting, ennobling, and affirm the dignity and worth of human beings. Their unequivocal acceptance of the Torah in their statement, Na'asev Nishma, we will do and we will listen, is truly legendary. It might be considered one of the greatest moments of all times. Now, there is much that we could offer in a continuation of our study of the uh, historicity of Shavuot. But I want to give you, having already um, given you a sense of the transformation from a biblical holiday with agricultural roots, I want to share with you some of the more modern understandings of Shavuot, some of the more modern means of celebrating Shavuot, because as you read, or at least you heard from me, in the Torah, it's not clear how one would celebrate the holidays other than in an agricultural manner. So, I hope you're ready, because according to Jewish tradition, Shavuot is a holiday that separates, that celebrates dairy. And there are some reasons, according to Jewish tradition, that on Shavuot we only eat dairy. Some of them are fanciful and far-fetched, and some of them enhance the celebration. So here's the first reason. When the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai, Included was special instructions for how to slaughter and prepare meat for eating. Until then, the Jews had not followed these laws, thus all their meat plus cooking pots were not considered fit. So the only alternative was to eat dairy, which requires no advanced preparation. Reason two, Torah is liked, according to the Midrash, to milk. As the verse says, like milk and honey, the Torah lies under your tongue. That's from Song of Songs. Just as milk has the ability to sustain the body of the human being, so too the Torah provides all the spiritual nourishment necessary for the human soul. Reason three, gematria, the numerical value of the Hebrew word for milk, halav, is 40. We eat dairy foods on Shavuot to commemorate the 40 days that Moses spent on Mount Sinai, receiving instructions in the entire Torah. The numerical value of Chalav 40 further signifies in that there were 40 generations from Moses who recorded the written Torah. 
till the rabbis. Now, according to the mystical text, the Zohar, each of the 365 days of the year corresponds to one specific of the Torah's 365 negative commandment. So we would ask which mitzvah corresponds to Shavuot. The Torah says, bring first fruits to the God's holy temple. Don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. That's in the same verse. Since the first day for bringing Bikurim is on Shavuot, the second half of the verse referring to milk and meat is the negative commandment corresponding to the Shavuot day. Thus on Shavuot, we eat two meals, one of milk and one of meat, taking care not to mix the two. I could go on for a moment. Um, here is one that uh, is a bit convoluted, but perhaps offers you an understanding. Um, Moses was born on the seventh day of Adar and stayed at home for 30 days, 30 months, three months with his family before being placed in the Nile River. Moses was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted Moses and took him to live in Pharaoh's palace. But right away, a problem arose. What to feed the baby? In those days, there was no bottled formula, so when the birth mother wasn't available, the caretaker would have to hire a wet nurse. In the case of Moses, he kept refusing to nurse from Egyptian woman, according to Jewish tradition. The Talmud explains that his mouth needed to be kept totally pure, as it would one day communicate directly with God. Finally, Pharaoh's daughter found one woman whose Moses agreed to nurse from, Yolcheved, Moses' biological mother. And what did he eat? Breast milk. The eating of dairy foods on Shavuot commemorates this phenomenon in the early life of Moses, the man who would receive the Torah, and it commemorates the date date of the 6th of Sivan, in which he was placed in the water. And interestingly enough, the 6th of Sivan is also the date of Shavuot. So this morning, we've talked about two things. We've talked about the miracle of Jewish survival and the transformation of an agricultural festival into a festival which can be observed by Jews regardless of where they live and regardless of how they earn their living, truly miraculous. And we've learned that Shavuot is the celebration of the importance of Torah in Jewish life. Jews will be observing Shavuot this year um, on the 1st of June and the 2nd of June in the diaspora. And should you wish to attend services, they are always open to visitors. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, this is Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you a good day. Shalom. Shalom.